Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm Laura Gregg, and I'm joined with my co-host, David Partain, on this sunny day in Chicagoland. Hello, David. Hello, Laura. It is nice to see the sun, and I am very excited for today's podcast. I am as well. For regular listeners, you know that on the Flexible Advisor, we seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses, all while deepening those very important client relationships. Today will be the first in a series of conversations about FlexShare's third research study on advisor wellness. In this episode and in the others that will follow, we will talk with industry experts and dive into the research findings. Our goal with each of these wellness conversations is to leave you, our listeners, with actionable ideas to help you focus on your own wellness so that you can better serve your clients and yourself. We'll also be sharing insights as to why this research is important as we try to bring more professionals into this financial advisory business. In today's episode, we wanna focus on how financial advisors can help prevent stress and burnout despite the inevitable stressors that advisors face in their career almost every day. We'll discuss how stress impacts your health, your mood, and how simple behavioral tips can help advisors proactively boost their psychological immunity, regardless of the unpredictable markets and economic conditions that we face. Laura and I are really excited about today's guest, and I know the energy level is going to be off the charts. Our guest is Dr. Jack Singer, PhD, a clinical sports psychologist and organizational psychologist, and author of The Financial Advisor's Ultimate Stress Mastery Guide. He is a keynote speaker, consultant, trainer, and mentor to financial advisors and financial organizations. So we knew this was going to be a hit when we learned about Jack's passion for using cutting edge research, just like us in the fields of performance enhancement, not like us, resiliency and neuroplasticity, definitely not like us, combined with humor to deliver actionable skills that listeners can put into immediate use both on and off their jobs. Jack, I often refer to Laura and I as data nerds, and while I don't want to call you names, your bio suggests that you might enjoy data-driven conversations as well. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Well, thanks so much, David and Laura, and thanks to uh, FlexShares for offering me this opportunity to give this information, which I don't get to do very often, regarding research, and I was so thrilled to see the research you've done because I'm not familiar with much research done with advisors since 2008, which is when I got involved with advisors on the basis of research that was done then during the economic crisis. That's interesting. I I look forward to hearing more. So let's kick it off. From what I understand, you are not always serving financial professionals. Can you briefly share how a professional sports psychologist wound up working exclusively with financial services professionals and their clients and how are financial advisors similar to professional athletes? 
Well, you know, David, I was very happy for 39 years working with professional athletes, including three Olympic gold medal winners, hundreds of football players, including members of the Chicago Bears, near and dear to your hearts, I'm sure. Mm. Then in 2008, uh, when the economic crisis was taking place worldwide, I received a random call from the head of the Australian Financial Advisors Association. And he said that he had read many articles that I had published on stress mastery, which was one of my areas of expertise. And he asked if I knew anything about the financial services industry. And I said, not much, what's going on? And he explained what was happening. And he asked if I could produce a video series to help his advisors who were all panicking. So I had an epiphany. The epiphany was when I started reading what financial services professionals do, the training they've had, the uh, the courses they've taken, the competition they deal with, the quotas they have, and so forth and so on, I said to myself, you know, financial services professionals aren't much different than great athletes. Most of them never live up to their potential because of the same reasons that athletes don't live up to their potential. Things like fear of failure or dealing with competition or lack of confidence or self-doubt. So I decided why not pivot my career at this point and start teaching the same blueprint for success that's worked with Olympic gold medal winners and hundreds of elite athletes to financial professionals. So that's when I pivoted my career and moved over to the financial realm. And then, Jack, you actually wrote the book on mastering stress for our industry, The Financial Advisor's Ultimate Stress Mastery Guide, 77 Proven Prescriptions to Build Your Resilience. Will you tell us about what inspired you to write that book and also what can advisors expect to find within its pages? Well, you know, when I did the deep dive into the financial services industry in order to develop that training video, I looked around for research that was done, like you people do. I looked around to see what research has been done. I found a study that was done right after 2008, and they found that 93% of advisors reported that they had medium to high levels of stress, and a large percentage of those advisors had stress levels high enough to qualify them for the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. When I saw that, and looked around and found that there were no books written on how to deal with stress for advisors. That's what stimulated me writing the book. The book, you want to know a little bit about the book? Yeah. Each chapter begins with a case study of an actual advisor who was having a problem that I address in the book. And by the end of the chapter, I talk about how that advisor resolved that problem using the techniques that I taught them. But the book has uh, interesting titles to chapters. For example, How Stress Can Kick the Health Out of You is one of my chapters. How to Recognize the Real Culprit, which we'll talk about more in this interview. I talk about two stress-prone personality types and what they need to do about that if they fit into those types. I talk about warp speed techniques to deflect stressors. And then I talk about building their psychological immunity to stress which includes a chapter on selecting and retaining ideal clients because many advisors have problems selecting ideal clients. Many of them avoid females for the wrong reasons. So there's a whole section in there on how to attain and retain female clients and then um, retaining clients so they don't fire you. And it ends up with a summary of how to become and remain a resilient financial advisor. 
It, I, I can't wait to read the book and thank you for sending it along my way. And what Jack said about, you know, in 2008 and that research that he found, you launched our first advisor wellness study. And I think you kind of had a similar epiphany, right? Yeah, it was. It was really along the lines of how the industry had changed due to that you know, I, and I've talked about it before on the podcast. Advisors went from being math teachers to art teachers, as an analogy. If you're that side, your brain is so used to the engineer math side of working. It, I just thought, boy, that could be a lot of stress there. I'm not there, so I've been fine. But uh, <laughs> I think a lot of advisors were actually experiencing that. So that that's really interesting that that is when Jack got into this. This is our third study on advisor wellness, and and it noted that the key stressors for advisors shifted this year. At the top of the list now are political uncertainty, acquiring new clients, and regulatory issues. And I don't think any of those are really all that surprising as to uh, when we were in the field in, in late 2020. But by comparison, in 2018, the last time we fielded this survey, the top stressors were different. It was the state of the market, low interest rates, and how to establish a trusted team. Jack, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if you would coach advisors differently based on the different stressors that they're dealing with. That's a wonderful question, Laura, because that's the key to what I teach advisors, whether I'm coaching them or they're taking my online course or reading the book or what have you. The key is that these are perceived stressors. None of these things actually cause stress. Political uncertainty doesn't cause stress. Having to acquire new clients doesn't cause stress. Regulatory issues and compliance issues don't cause stress. And many of the other things that you found earlier in your earlier studies in terms of building a team, a a trusted team, interest rates, a state of the market, none of these issues cause stress. These are perceived stressors. What causes stress is the conversation that a person has in his or her head regarding an event or a situation. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that we can learn to understand those conversations and change them. So no one has to really experience dramatic stress. Situations and events happen to us all the time. But what we do about those situations in terms of our mindset is what determines whether we'll be stressed, anxious, depressed, or happy and calm. I think I'm gonna use that line with my children, I'm going to kick the health out of you if you don't get the dishes done or some bed made or something like that. I think that's great. (laughs) But Jack, you talk about the advisor's mindset. Isn't our mindset pretty difficult to adjust? And how do we actually make changes to patterns we've built over our lifetimes? So many people think that whatever mindset you have is static and it's there, it's part of your DNA and you can't change it. That's absolutely not true. In fact, uh, the woman who wrote the book, Mindset, who invented the term, proves that there's a growth mindset as well as a static mindset, and anyone can learn to develop the growth mindset so that you can make changes to your mindset at any time. And now this big word that you used in introducing me, neuroplasticity, that's really a neuroscience that shows now that we can retrain our brain by building new neurons by the way we think and how we change our mindset, which is fabulous for people to know, not only for the here and now, but for their longevity. In fact, if I can go off off of this for a second, 
because uh, so much of this has to do with how long and how well people will live, I developed a client event because I noticed that most client events that advisors have are usually, you know, a plate liquor in the basket back of a restaurant. You're hoping that your clients will show up and bring a potential client. They're usually a waste of money. So I decided why not have an event that is a real value added for your clients so everyone will want to come and they'll all want to invite people. So based on neuroplasticity and the psychology of resilience, I developed a program called how to live much longer than your kids hoped you would. So it's a <laughs> funny title, but it's a serious subject. The subject is the psychology of life extension. So in my client events, I teach people actually the research-based cutting edge tools for living longer and better. And part of that is the mindset. So you're telling me that I've been telling my wife for years, I'm just set in my ways. It's just not, it's just not true, apparently. Is that All right? right? I, using that yeah. as an excuse not to make changes. <laughs> Come so, on, Jack. Let me give you a simple formula, Laura, <laughs> and, and that I think you'll find very interesting. A person's performance, whether it's athletic performance or performance as a financial professional, the performance always equals your talent plus your education plus your experience, now comes a big minus, minus mental distractions. So if a person has no mental distractions, their talent and their education will always show in their performance. That's an Olympic gold medal winner who doesn't allow her or himself to have distractions. But the more distractions you have, which is the self-talk, the toxic self-talk that I talk about in my book and in my course, detracts from your performance regardless of your talent. This is exactly why two people with the same talent, the same education, the same experience perform differently. One of them is harassed by internal toxic self-talk distractions. And that's something we can teach people to recognize and change. That's the beauty of all of this. Let's talk about self-talk. You, you talked about how negative self-talk is, is a, a culprit in, you know, the stress that we experience. And over the years, I've heard uh, about the power of positive self-talk or affirmations to kind of change the mindset. And and I got to say that for me, it feels awkward and a little bit strange for me to keep repeating affirmations to myself. What do you say about that? I mean, is that what we need to be doing? Does it does it really work? And is it something that we need to do for a lifetime and, and can stick with for a lifetime? When you read the title, the subtitle of my book, which has 77 stress mastery techniques, affirmations is only one of them. You don't have to employ all of these. If you employ five of them, you'll be in much better shape. So if you don't like affirmations, you don't do affirmations. But the key for self-talk is recognizing when you're giving yourself toxic messages. Let me give you an example from an advisor that I'm coaching. The other day, the advisor told me that he has trouble getting up in the morning on uh, Monday because he has to go to work and he looks forward all week to Friday afternoon when he can leave work. That work is causing him all kinds of stress, even though he makes plenty of money. He's in, well in the six figures. It's not a money issue. It's the side effects of earning that money that he doesn't like. And I said, give me an example of something you don't like. So he said, well, when a client who's disappointed in his or her performance in their portfolio calls me up complaining, I try to avoid those calls. I tell my secretary to tell them I'm busy and things like that. And I just hate 
having to deal with that part of the business. So I said, what do you say to yourself under these circumstances? He said, the secretary will call him and say, so-and-so is on the phone. And he immediately, before he says, tell him I'm not available, he says to himself, oh no, I'm gonna look like a failure again to this person. And I'm constantly feeling denigrated whenever I talk to this client. I said, this is an example of toxic self-talk. We need to change the self-talk that's taking place, that's leading to your emotional response and your behavioral response. The emotional response is your anxiety spikes up and the behavioral response is you try to find a way to avoid the client, which is not getting rid of the problem. It's delaying the problem. Why can't we change the self-talk to, have I ever had success with this client or similar clients? The answer has to be yes or you wouldn't be in business. What did I do to have success with these people? Can I learn a method to communicate with angry or disappointed or upset clients that may help in my communication skill? Yes, they can. I can teach them something called active empathic listening, which will diffuse those clients immediately. So these are the kinds of things you can say to yourself that are different than the habits that you've developed, which are toxic. But it's not simply a matter of affirmations. It's a, it's a matter of recognizing the toxic thinking habits you've developed and repeated thousands of times so that the next time it happens, you can say to yourself, aha, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Here's an alternative way of thinking and reacting at this moment. The reality of the business that we're in, right, is that the stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. Even the most well-constructed portfolios will suffer when the market is on a downslide. And and I do, you know, I I understand that so many advisors have clients that don't understand that, or they see the S and P was up twenty percent but I'm 75 and my portfolio is only up 10 or 12%, not realizing that the S&P isn't a proxy for a portfolio that you may have at that age where you're, that portfolio is filled with, with bonds and other investments to re- reduce the risk. But still, the anger, the frustration is there and how to diffuse that was really important. If I think of like sharp declines, we can talk about 2020, right? We what a, what a challenging year for everybody, but especially for advisors. We were all forced to go quickly into a remote operation that none of us had planned for. Many advisors were not prepared for from a digital standpoint. And then at the same time that that was happening, the market was declining very dramatically. That was a challenging market. Fortunately, the market recovered and erased all of the lost losses from earlier in the year. Jack, as we as we look forward into this year, it's likely that more changes are ahead, either moving back to an office, starting to conduct in-person meetings again, or potentially having to negotiate with employees that got a taste of working remotely and want to continue to do so. I'm wondering if you could share some suggestions for advisors as they continue to face stress and and these new types of changes that are likely headed their way. Whenever you face a perspective stressor or a perceived stressor like changes coming along the way as we start getting back to business as usual, 
you have two choices. One choice is to look at it in a toxic way. One choice is to look at it in a healthier, nutritious way. So the toxic way is to say, I finally gotten used to working from home and dealing with my family 24-7. It feels more comfortable than going into the office. Now I'm going to have to go back to the office. That's one way to look at this. The other way is, wow, being forced to make these changes has taught me that I can do things in a different way whenever I need to. I can now set up proactive meetings with all of my clients virtually or do them individually. They don't have to make appointments to come into the office. I can do this and save a lot of time with all of them. This is a new technique that I would have never known about if it wasn't for the pandemic. So again, it's the way you look at it. And the key to what you're suggesting here in terms of making changes, Laura, is that we know from a psychological standpoint, small changes work the best. When you have to make a big change or you perceive that you're going to make a big change, you set off the alarm systems in your brain that are it's called the fight or flight nervous system. And that sort of freezes you into inaction because your brain thinks there's an emergency going on. But if you make small changes that you can bite off easily, your brain doesn't go into the emergency mode. So a small change would be start working in the office part-time and continue working at home part-time. Start having some face one-to-one -one meetings with your clients in person, but continue to have some, especially with clients who feel more comfortable, virtual. So don't make great changes at one time. When people do that, they can absorb the changes and it's a much healthier way to, again, modify your mindset. So I, I love that because earlier today, I was in a staff meeting with David and David, tell us, tell, tell the audience what you shared with your team. Yeah, that's right, Laura. We were talking this morning and there is a great cartoonist who likes to illustrate concepts called Carl Richards. And the most recent one he put out is what is the next smallest action with an arrow down to do that thing? And then an arrow back to what is the next smallest action? So that really addresses what you were, Jack was talking about here. Yeah, small actions make a lot of sense. And by the way, in your intro to this whole program, you talked about actionable skills. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I teach people. If any of your listeners are interested in a mental toughness routine that takes five minutes, that's actionable and you can put to use right away whenever you're faced with stress, perceived stressors, all they have to do is email me at drjack at advisingtheadvisors.com and I will be happy to send them that mental toughness technique. Wow, that's great. Well, thank you for, we always like to close these with actionable insights for our listeners, and we appreciate you doing that today. It has been a real delight to have you on the podcast. I'm just sorry you gave my wife ammunition for my mindset. <laughs> and, although we do look forward to talking to you soon, or at least she's going to look forward to me talking to you soon. Let me give you some other things that I'll give away to, to your wonderful listeners. Um, oh, that would be great. If you're interested in a free coaching session with me, not one of my associates, but with me, I will be happy to do that. And the way I'll do it is if they email me at drjacketadvisorsadvisors.com, tell me they want a free coaching session. The first five that I get, I will give a free coaching session to. Also, if they're interested in learning more about my client event, How to Live Much Longer Than Your Kids Hoped You Would, which almost always brings new clients to them, just have them email me about that. My website is, as you mentioned, is drjacksinger.com. My course, uh, which they can earn 12 continue education credits for, is called Actionable Skills to Develop the Mindset of a Champion Financial Services Professional. 
I'll also provide the book, uh, an e-version of the book for $15. It's normally a $37 book. If they just email me and I'll tell them how they can get the book for $15. Jack, it has been a real delight. I knew it would be. I was very excited for this podcast today. So thank you for coming in. It's indeed my pleasure. The two of you are wonderful interviewers. You make it really easy and delightful. And you ask insightful questions and you respond to comments with other insightful questions. So that's a dream for someone who's being interviewed like myself. Thank you. Yes, Laura does deserve most of that credit. So thank you, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's enough to go around. Thanks. If you like this podcast, you may also like the other FlexShares podcast called Funds in Focus. Check it out today and you'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.